0: Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show. Outerlimitsradio.com. I'm your host Ryan. Tonight it is a great honor to have a very special guest, Mr. George Norrie, from Coast to Coast AM, a legendary broadcaster. And the reason why we're bringing Mr. Norrie to your attention is because we feel that he has opened up so many doors to so many great individuals, and provided them a platform for them to bring in a new form of consciousness and question a lot of ideas. And I think he's got to play a large part in forming and shaping and bringing a lot of credibility to ideas that most people would consider conspiracy, but he's brought them mainstream. So we feel that he's done a great job. Everyone we've talked with or worked with say he's a real nice uh, man, and we're really excited to have him. So without further ado... The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show proudly presents a forensic soul analysis on George Norrie. It is a great honor today to have with us Mr. George Norrie. He's probably best known as the nationally syndicated host of Coast to Coast AM. He is an author. He's a paranormal investigator. And I believe he's a bona fide legend in the New Conscious Movement. Mr. Nori, great honor to have you with us today. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Hey, this is exciting. Looking forward to this. Uh, how is
0: Dallas these days? Uh, Dallas is uh, it's wonderful. Oh, it's a great city. Great city. Awesome. So, George, you've got this site. I found it really intriguing. It's called ParanormalDate.com. Can you please tell listeners a little bit about this? I, I sure will. And let me tell you how it developed. You
1: know, I... In addition to doing Coast to Coast and our television shows, I travel all over the country and speak at various events or I do live stage shows. And afterward, we always have meet and greets where I meet everybody who's been there. And a lot of people had been coming up to me at various events saying, one of the reasons we come here, George, not only just to see you, but we want to meet other people who understand what we're going through, what we think. And it was an event for them where they could meet other people. And one lady said, gosh, I wish you'd have a dating site. And I kind of like scoffed it <laughs> off. I laughed about it. Well, I came back to L.A. and I got a friend of mine who'd uh, been a friend of mine in St. Louis and he uh, owned a couple of radio stations and he moved to L.A. And I was uh, talking to him about this and I said, uh, you know, it's kind of an interesting little concept. And uh, and he said, I can run with this if you want me to. And I said, well, why don't we call it Paranormal Date with the subtitle, You Are Not Alone, and let's see what happens. And and he did. Um, Mark Rawlings is, is my president of our company here doing this. And we ran with it. It started last Wednesday already. It's has,
0: 11,000 people on there. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and a million hits just looking oh, at the website.
1: Good. Yeah, um, the website's uh, paranormaldate.com. It's absolutely free right to join. I mean, people can sign up, but now if they want to start connecting with people and stuff, there's a small monthly fee as any dating site would have, but if they use my name George in the code, hmm. it it's 17 cents a day. I mean, it's uh, it's like nothing. And, and um, uh,
0: I want to let listeners know that I've actually I've gone through the site and I've checked it out, and I am surprised at how many good-looking people there are on there. And thank God that I'm not a, a member on the site because you would hemorrhage people. But there are actually a lot of very good-looking people out there, and I, that's been fantastic. And George, I think it'll be pretty interesting to find out if you have people that have similar hauntings at their houses you know maybe people get together they meet up they find romance and then the ghosts that are haunting their houses get together and maybe you know the ghosts become happy with each other i think that'd be fantastic a
1: lot of people have signed up to date ghosts believe it or not really and, uh, you know what far be it for me to say no so uh, it's paranormal date.com and, and again for that free to sign up use my name george if you decide you want to stay there and, and really get to know other people.
0: Excellent. And I also want to bring to our listeners' attention that you've got this really great show. It's called Beyond Belief, and it's on a website called GIAMTV.com. And when you go on there, you're going to see, I think you have, what is it, like almost 100 different episodes. You're in your fourth season. You do these sit-downs, and you go and explore various aspects of the paranormal, and you explore aspects of metaphysics. And I find that your versatility of your guests is pretty amazing. And can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that, how that got started, and what would you say would be some of the you know most profound insights and guests that you've had on your show?
1: Absolutely. It's a great show. We've been doing that almost three years now. The company's based out of Boulder, Colorado, and they approached us because they were investing in television in a big way. And they said, gosh, we'd love to do a TV show around what you do. Now, would you consider it? And uh, my producer and I flew up there, and we met with the folks, and we said, absolutely, we'll do this. So we've been doing it. It's called Beyond Belief, and uh, they can even get to it easily at beyondbelief.com, beyondbelief.com. It's an Internet-based television show, but the way technology is nowadays People can get their Internet up on their flat screen just with the little adapters. And so that's what people are doing. So they're literally watching television of this show, uh, which used to be available via computer. It's now available via computer on your flat screen. And so they're getting the, uh, the benefit of the big screen. The guests are many people who've been on coast-to-coast, Coast, but they bring visuals and graphics. And you can actually see the people. Where Coast to Coast is a great mystery of the mind show at night, this is a TV show. You're going to see me. You're going to see the guest, You're going to see visuals, and it's uh, it's a neat program. The shows run anywhere from 30 minutes to 60 minutes, and um, the subject matter is very close to Coast to Coast, dealing with
0: mysteries, unusual things. Yeah, and, you uh, really do have um, some major heavy hitters on here, and... In- George, I wanted to talk a little bit about you because you know when I think about the way we interview people on our show you, you have a, you've had a, a pretty substantial impact on uh, my own style because when you've had these people on your show they could be telling you things that anyone would be considered you know out there crazy and you always like you give them so much respect and you let them speak and then you ask them really intriguing questions based on you know what they're what they're coming to you at and I'm curious, where does your form of questioning come from? Is it um, how do you come up with these questions? I mean, is it where where are you where are you seeking your questions from? I guess it's
1: experience. It's uh, the, the first of all the, the best interviews we can ever do. You, me, are interviews that are conversations, not just questions. And so you sit down with someone and you start pulling things out of them, in, information, and you just converse. So. One question leads to another an answer leads to another question uh, rather than sitting there um, and reading you know a list of topics and, and, and things like that. We ask every guest to supply us 20 questions, which gives us an idea of where they're coming from and then uh, and then we don't use them. We just basically use part of that as a conversation that
0: kind of uses an outline.
1: Yeah, and then, uh, and then off we go. But it takes, as you know, a, a lot of work investigating your subject matter, what, what you're doing. Um, tonight, for example, uh, we're talking about the Bilderbergs uh, and the Illuminati. You really got to study this because, one, the guest knows if you're prepared, and, two, the audience knows if you're prepared. So you really got to spend some time doing it. And so my, my work day... Never seems to end either. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And but you know, it's something I've done all my life. I, I enjoy it. I like it,
0: and uh, we'll keep doing it. Good. No, let's talk about your life. When was the moment when you were a kid that you looked up in the sky and then you realized that this was something you wanted to do? Like, what was your what was some of the the, the biggest pivotal moments of your life that really it sparked your intrigue in the paranormal and UFOs?
1: a couple things happened with me when I was 11 years old, I had an unknown out of body experience. I was bouncing against the wall, looking at my little body and it slammed me back down in my uh, body. And I, you know, went to the library, we didn't have computers then. And I I was able to find out that I had an out of body experience, something very strange. And then, you know, my mother would bring me home books of, uh, you know, extraterrestrials, uh, Walter Sullivan, who was the New York Times science writer at the time, wrote a book called We Are Not Alone. Mom brought me home that. I love that. Uh, Then they bought me a telescope, and that set me on my path. I mean, I looked at little Saturn. I found Saturn up there, and you could actually see the rings of Saturn with this little three-inch telescope, three-inch being the lens, and I was just mesmerized. So I just put it all together. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do space and
0: science and strange things. And well, when you say you're looking at space, you mesmerized by it. Will you, will you, um, did that kind of spark your passion for extraterrestrial life? I really want to know like, where, where the passion for seeking out UFOs and extraterrestrial life comes in.
1: When Look Magazine wrote a story called The Interrupted Journey about the Barney and Betty Hill abduction case, they were from New Hampshire. That did it. I mean, I was hooked on that. And uh, strangely, when I was 21 years old, a radio reporter in Detroit, one of my first interviews dealt with UFOs. Uh, I even contacted their psychiatrist about their case. His name was Benjamin Simon out of Boston and uh, interviewed him, 21 years old. And, you know, we chatted about extraterrestrial life and things like that. Uh, I asked him specifically if their case in his mind was real, and he said they believe it's real. They're not lying because they believe this happened to them. And he said, far be it for me to say it did not. Um, and I just love that. So I would, as a young reporter, I would intersperse real coverage of real stories, news stories, with the unusual stories. And then as I got older, I became a news director and a television executive Uh, I began to have the control to set my own destiny. And then in 1996, when I started doing talk radio, uh, that was it. I mean, I decided I wanted to do all this. And I remember my program director at X in uh, St. Louis came up to me, Tom Langmeier, who who will tell this story to people as well. He called me into his office, and I had been doing some fill-in talk radio and my guests were all uFO uFO people and ghost people and stuff like that, and he called me in and said, "George, there is no future for you doing these kinds of shows. It just won't happen and uh, today he tells everybody at radio conferences biggest mistake of his life
0: was telling <laughs> me that. <laughs> well, obviously it led to something I and mean, led to something very big now. From the time that you were a kid to where you are now and all of your years of reporting and investigating, what are some of the maybe the top three or top four biggest revelations that you've concluded about extraterrestrials and UFOs?
1: Uh, the work of Eric Daniken, Chariots of the Gods, the works of Zacharias Sitchin, the Twelfth Planet, the fact that he believes we were visited by the Anunnaki and genetically seated. I would say that those two cases, uh, those two individuals have had an astounding effect on my career in terms of what they have done. I was just with Eric Von Doniken at an event called Contact in the Desert in Joshua Tree, California, and we had a chance to talk. Uh, And it's amazing for me as a boy and as a youth to be able to read their works and then later on in life, like now, interview them and have them on my show and uh, interact with them. It's really quite a spectacular feeling. But uh, those people, Stanton Friedman, he's another one. Those people had a great influence in me in terms of what I wanted to do in the field of ufology.
0: Okay. And in your own investigation, is there anything that you've, you've personally concluded through investigating that you've, that you've learned about UFOs now that you, you didn't have an insight back then? If you were to put aside the work of the people that you've read and just gone through your own questioning over the years, is there anything definitive that you could say about UFOs that would probably you know, maybe shock most people?
1: Had I not talked to any of them and merely had to do this all on my own, I would have come up with the same conclusion I have right now. And that is, it's very conceivable and possible that we've been visited by extraterrestrials, but there's no doubt in my mind that intelligent life like ours exists on other planets throughout the universe, uh, probably by the billions. Um, Have they had the ability to get here? I think probably so. Um, But I would have come to these conclusions all by myself without the influence of these experts.
0: And in the course of your life, who would you cite as being one of your most influential teachers and who would you cite as an individual that had the most profound positive impact on your life and development?
1: So a fellow by the name of Guy Gibson, who I worked with in Detroit when I was uh, 21 years old, and he was the radio editor of the station at the time called WCAR 1130 AM Dial. Call letters have since changed, but it's still there. And I was a young reporter. I mean, I don't know what I was doing. I'd go cover stories. I'd phone in the reports. I'd write it. And he'd say, rewrite it. I don't like it. And he would make me do this seven, eight times before he accepted to run on the air. Frustrating. I didn't like him at all. Um, but later on, I began to realize that this guy was having a tremendous influence on me he was turning me into somebody who was absolutely good at what he did and by making me rewrite it or revoice it or you know what this one's not acceptable you know give it a little more excitement he was teaching me things and so i i grabbed that guy gibson's no longer alive he passed away in dallas texas years ago but he had a great influence on me Uh, And then I began to learn from other people. I, I began to learn how to pace a television newscast as a producer, which has had a tremendous effect on me today as I produce and pace Coast to Coast AM, where I think of it now as a symphony. It's a song that plays fast or slow, but it's got a rhythm to it. And I think that's what the audience picks up. They pick up on this rhythm of the program and me, and it's very comfortable for
0: them to listen to. George, you've had many guests in the years on coast to coast am. and one individual that I want to bring your attention is Stuart Wild. Stuart, we used to work with him. Um, he loved being on your show so much and he used to call a lot and he used to say, Hello, this is Stuart Wilde. Please tell George he's got a beautiful soul. He used to always say that you had a very beautiful soul and he respected you a lot. And a lot of people in our audience um, have a deep, profound respect for Stuart. I was wondering, in the course of you having him on your show, is there anything you found intriguing about him? Is there anything that made him stand out in your mind?
1: Stewart, of course, uh, was that great British writer. Uh, passed away a couple of years ago, uh, and I miss him. I, I miss the shows that we did with him. Um, he would talk about empowerment, um, pred- predictions. Um, I think he talked about a Seattle earthquake that could occur. Uh, but he was just—he was just a good guest, uh, and we need guests like that. We need more and more people who understand other people. And, uh, you know,
0: I miss him. I miss the guy. You know, we all do. And this is Stuart. Who were some of the guests over the years that you've had on where you were completely shocked? Like, who were some of the guests that you guys have gone to and you were really intrigued by? And uh, why were you intrigued by them?
1: Well, I had one called uh, Benjamin Krem. He claimed to be a representative of somebody called the Maitreya that some people call the Antichrist. And um he had been on the air a couple times, and people would actually get physically ill listening to him.
2: Wow. Not that
1: there was anything wrong with him. I mean, he was a nice, seemed like a nice guy. He had a nice voice. He was an older chap, but they physically felt something. And one day it happened to me. I'm on the air, and I felt nauseous, and I, I, this' never happened to me before. I had to end the interview with him. And as soon as he was off the line, I felt fine. And then I started getting messages from people. We've got the ability to get instant messaging from our listeners. And they were telling me, feel much better now. I'm glad you got rid of him. It
3: wow. was weird.
1: It was just really strange. But we've had interviews with all kinds of people, scientists, physicists, people who investigate ghosts, ufologists, Bigfoot hunters, We've done it all, alternative medicine, and they're all important to the program. I mean we can't give everybody everything every night, and we have to be diverse. We can't be paranormal 24-7.
0: The world has changed. And I want to bring Um, something real quick to to some people's attentions out there is that in the course of your career, I know that sometimes you've gone political and that you've gone into the conspiracy realms, and I know some people have liked it, some people have not liked it. And I have to say that I totally commend you for going political because anyone who thinks that the consciousness of humanity, the way we think, is not influenced by the political belief systems, I I think it's insane. I'm so happy that you've had people on there that have presented alternative perspectives, if not to examine their beliefs, but to examine where human consciousness can go and... I know that you've had people on that have talked about uh, the economic collapse or they think that some kind of collapse is going to occur. And I was wondering that based on the guests that you've had that go there from a scientific perspective and a metaphysical perspective, what do you think is going to happen in the next couple of years? Do you see an economic collapse? Do you see um, a big shift in consciousness of humanity occurring?
1: Oh, it's going to be a huge change, and we need to be ready for it. And I'm not sure that change is going to be something that a lot of people are going to be able to adjust to or will enjoy, Um, but things are changing. People are acting weird, strange. I think they're sensing these different feelings. And what I try to do is take a stand on certain issues. My platform now, line is I am out. I'm obsessed with protecting our power grid from either an EMP attack from a nuke detonated in the atmosphere or a major X flare from the sun. Uh, I think that if the power grid goes down for any amount of time, we are going to have significant deaths on this planet in this country and for $2 billion, which is no money for this nation, we can insulate the grid and protect it so the whole system doesn't collapse. And that's one of my missions. And I think that's our responsibility as broadcasters, not only to have some fun and inform and entertain, but to take a stand once in a while on an issue that is so important to us. And mine is the power grid. And I'm not going to stop until this government fixes it, or
0: we're going to be in deep trouble. And, George, one of the things I really respect about you, is that when you're doing your broadcasts, there's a tendency we sometimes you turn in some shows and you know that the guest or the the host has an agenda or they're very ideological. And when you interview people, you seem to be very reserved, very neutral, just you know asking questions. They really respect that about you. And I really think that because you've done that, people that normally would not entertain some of these ideas that are considered quote unquote conspiracy, I think are more intrigued by it because you're you're doing a strictly you know. A, a, I'm sorry investigative journalistic perspective, do you think that more people are open-minded to things now that were considered sp- conspiracy at least five or even ten years ago? and if so, why?
1: Well there's no question about it. Uh, maybe this show has changed people's minds, but uh, even even I have changed. I mean I've been doing coast to coast now for uh, going on nearly thirteen years full time. And if you were to talk to me in the beginning about government conspiracies uh, or, you know, they did this, they did that, I would have said you were crazy. Not anymore. And those things have changed for all of us, I think, that uh, society has contributed to this change where people now question, people now doubt, and it's healthy. It's healthy to do that. I've been a strong proponent of police departments and police officers, but something weird is happening with some of them too. Some of them are literally out of control, um, making the good ones uh, tainted because of uh, some of the things that they're doing. And
0: what do you, and, uh, what do you we, think it is? A, yeah, it's what, sad. What do you What do you think it is? Do you think uh, is it um, is is it? An it's
1: frustration. It's tension. Um, I mean, they, they, they're doing things that they would normally not do. I don't think one police officer wakes up in the morning and says, boy, I just can't wait to shoot an unarmed person. Uh, something happens to them. They, they they are under so much pressure, uh, and they're targets for so many people that they snap. And um, you can see that happening with people as well, not just police officers. Road rage is at an all-time high. People just have lost it, and there's there's something in the atmosphere. There's something out there. I, I don't know what it is that is causing people to literally lose it and snap, and I think it's going to get worse before it gets better.
0: So this is something that in the course of your life you, you, you're you seeing this happening. You've never experienced anything like this before. This is something that – Not
1: like this. Not at this is,
0: magnitude.
1: Not at this scope. It is.
0: And, George, the last final question we have for you is this – what would you bestow upon our audience, like your three best pieces of advice on life that you could come up with or that you've observed? Well, all
1: of- right, that's, that's, I'd love to do that. Well, number one, give 120% at whatever you do, whatever you do. Number two, live life as if today's your last day because it goes by too darn fast. And lastly, take care of the people you care about. You might not be able to solve the issues of the world or the planet. I can't even do that. But I can control and take care of the people I care about and love and make their lives a little more comfortable. And if everybody did that with two or three or four people, and they did that and then they did that, we might have one heck of a planet.
0: Mr. George Norrie. To say that it was an honor to have you on our show today is uh, is an understatement, to say the least. Thank you so much. And we can learn more about George. So, George, we're going to do three websites for you. First thing is, you can listen to George every night on Coast to Coast AM. That's coasttocoastam.com. Second, you can learn about more about George and check out his great show, Beyond Belief TV, by going to the website, giamtv.com, and you look up Beyond Belief, and you'll see a lot of great episodes on there. And also... If you happen to be single, you want to meet somebody very attractive who's also involved in the paranormal, who also ask questions, you want to go to the website, paranormaldate.com. Mr. Nori, great honor. Thank you so, so much for being with us today. You guys, thank you. Bye-bye. Joining us now is globally respected psychic medium, healer, and empath, Miss Carrie O'Connor. We can learn more about Ms. O'Connor by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Miss O'Connor, what can you tell us about Mr. George Nori?
3: George Nori has a beautiful energy, and I know I speak of a lot on the show, Ryan, of you connect with a lot of people that are forerunners. They're, you're purposely connecting to people that are waking up humanity. When I looked into George's energy fields, he has a lot of rainbow energy, so he's a bridger where if you notice in his interviews – He's flexible where he wears a lot of hats. So let's say somebody comes in, they talk about aliens. He doesn't debate them and say, Oh, absolutely there's not aliens around. He listens to them with the open heart. He asks very clear, concise questions, and he gives a voice to everybody. That's the bridger. Then he could hear somebody that's, you know, says that there's lizards that are running um, you know, the government over in the UK, and he has this ability to just hold space for people. He doesn't go in attacking where some, um, you know, interviewers, they get the person in and they want to just attack them he gives them a a, really a microphone for them to say their view and what i love about his energy is that he does hold space for them he he keeps his personal opinions pretty much to himself and i'm sure he does have them but you can't a lot of times you could tell the person's opinion but he really pretty much holds them in and he just wants to give the person a space he wears many many um it looks like he wears many masks over his face so he he has that flexibility he is very much based in his heart and he really comes from that heart space of wanting to give people a voice to break them out of our regular um nine to five jobs the the TikTok to introduce people that there are ufos and that there is stuff besides other things that we um think about in our day-to-day life so he is a um a wonderful person i really loved his energy to be honest
0: that's really great to hear and George is, you know, really passionate about UFOs and discovering the truth about yes. UFOs. Yes. To add to it a little bit, does George have any particular connections with any extraterrestrial races that you can tell, or is he from Earth? Is, is yes. he coming, or is he coming no, from? No,
3: I see uh, him as a star person. Okay. A lot of times, Ryan, people that are really they come in born with interest in UFOs, or they just have a knowing, or they've had experience. They're called star seeds, and they, and they a lot of times they do have. That rainbow energy in their energy fields. He definitely has strong connections to the Syrian planet. Syrian people tend to be very old souls. They're, the shamans consider the Syrians as the first people that started to um, populate the earth. So he comes from a long lineage of having many star exp- or planet, let's say, incarnations off the physical earth. So it would make sense to him that he's so passionate about UFOs and aliens because it's in his DNA. And I'm not saying a lizard, I'm saying that many of the shamanic um, beliefs are that we all came down here from a star system, and he's definitely connected to that Syrian star system, and uh, he's here to teach people, and give them the education of the UFOs besides the little green people that um, a lot of people think, or take the fear out of it, you know, educate the people. And he is also not afraid about, I remember listening to a show about the black, Black-eyed children that would go up to the doors, and those were rather dark individuals. And so he gives, he educates on the light and also the not so light. Yeah,
0: and also I'm just kind of curious, like he asks some really great questions.
3: Absolutely.
0: And the way he, you know, really goes through and cuts right to the heart of the matter. Are there, are there any particular guides that he works with that, you know, allows him to or kind of helps him to to ask questions? He's
3: his very much a scribe. And actually, just when you said that, I saw Pluto <laughs> around him. And it's a very pluto Pluto the planet energy around him and Pluto has the energy of helping people with karma reminding of karma and it's very strong in the right side of his energy field so you could say it's like his karmic job here to wake up people and to, to be you know to, with of space and space um, exploration and exploring um uh, the the aliens but what's next to him is these very very tall beings. That you you see in a lot of the history books they used to talk about civilizations that they found skeletons that the people were twelve to fourteen feet tall they 're called the star beings, and he has a lot of those guides next to him. If you were to go to Peru or um, Ecuador, they have the bones of these people. The government was going to bring them out and they shut it down. It was a whole big um uh, kibosh that was um, several times they found these bones. At the Drew bone. had
0: what, evidence of 9 feet tall people or something?
3: And that, and that, wait, Ryan, there were 12 to 14 feet right and not only Peru they found them in the United States in the Arkansas area they found them over in Europe and they were anyway the minimum were nine feet and some of them were 12 to 14 feet tall they had the bones of them and I remember hearing um this whole story that they were going to bring it out in the public There. You know, making um, all the plans to bring it out, and then all of a sudden, kaboshed, because that is going to really blow a lot of people's minds in their in their mythology of believing that there were people that existed on the earth that they were that tall that before. And he he a lot of times there's a um, not a lot of times, there's a whole thing of, uh, of mythology within the shamanism. They called them the blue people, where what actually in, in George is connected to this. Imagine having being so high frequency that your veins are coming to the skin, so you look like you're blue, but you're not. It's just that they're able to use life force and pure prana, so they didn't have to eat regular food. So he has a lot of those energies behind him. The blue people because they they were they lived pure on life force. They didn't have to sleep, they didn't have to eat. They were so connected to working with the universal energy that's available for everybody and and he mastered that. So he, that those are very much connected to him.
0: Did you see any is there any distinctive past life uh, that he had that you can tell or, or feel that he's working on working out the karmic ties to in this lifetime?
3: I just saw him being handed down, uh, it was, his father was an old king and it looks like he was put, on uh the crown on him as the prince. And it was a time of a lot of, um, medieval time and he didn't want it. It was very barbaric. It was like medieval times. And I'm just seeing him and everything looks barbaric. It looks like everyone's eating just with no utensils. And it looks very, um, not respectful for women. And you look and he's put in this position at the head of the table and he looks so out of place. And, and I, I see him just putting his shoulders over and just, kind of going into, all right, I can't fight this. This is too, um, I don't have any allies, so I have to get along, to otherwise I'm going to be annihilated. And so this lifetime he made a vow of, I'll never compromise my soul, even if it means my death, for my voice or for what I truly believe in.
0: Excellent. Ms. Carrie O'Connor, thank you so much for that great analysis on Mr. George Norrie. And to learn more about Carrie O'Connor and to get a reading with Miss Carrie O'Connor, please go to her website at com. Thank you so much, Miss O'Connor.
3: Thank you, Ryan. It's always a pleasure.
0: Joining us now is the Angel Reader, globally respected psychic medium, Miss Laura Lynn. Learn more about Miss Lynn by going to her website at angelreader.net. Miss Lynn, what can you tell us about Mr. George Nori?
4: Hi Ryan. Yeah, it's really cool. I got to meet George about two months ago and it was wonderful. It was a lot of fun. He is hilarious. Uh, very down to earth person and it was just a, a pleasure to meet him. I, I found through meditation that he is a, a star seed or star person rather and uh what that refers to basically is that he does come from somewhere else. You can call him an alien if you wish, but um I would I would rather say that he does come from a faraway place that is here to bring really great information to earth to people. And what he has done is really helped transcend or help people learn to uh some other Possibilities. Uh, he's wonderful with bringing that communication forward. It seems from a little as when he was a little child, there there must have been much interest in looking up at the sky and wondering what's up there, or what, having the feeling that maybe he's being watched. Or, you know, I just feel like he had this internal fascination that really helped him grow to the point where he's at now, globally respected and known for the information that he brings forward.
0: Do you get the impression that he is a, uh, he actually is an extraterrestrial at at this point? Is he earthbound? Is he more extraterrestrial in the form of a human too? You
4: know, I, I, my feeling is that there are many people on this earth that are, uh, do come from a, from a different space or different place. Yes. And I do feel that this is a very, it's timely, you know, it is, we're at a place right now where we can make or break this earth. And I feel like he's here to shake it up, to get people talking, thinking, and that he does have an important role. I guess my answer is yes, I do. I feel like he does, you know, absolutely came from a different place.
0: Well, Now, what is it about him, do you feel, makes him uh, unique as far as his ability to interview people? He's, he really does have a very – a great gift for asking, you know, intriguing questions, and I've always been
4: intriguing. Yes, uh, no, I feel that one one thing is that he's so extremely good with communication. That he has a, a way of hearing and and really delving in. He gets to the meat of the matter, but he also has a a way to help. Uh, his his listener armor the person he's interviews feeling relaxed into it so that they can be pretty candid um, I don't know there's something about his energy that just it flows and, and people feel comfortable speaking to him and with that people aren't going to be censoring theirself so much so you know it comes out truth comes out
0: okay and do you feel what do you feel are his biggest soul challenges for this lifetime
4: Oh, good question. Okay. One thing is that I believe that his journey was here to help bring enlightenment to people as far as their their own soul challenge, helping people come together or be inspired to find the light within themselves, to remember who they are, and that's where that light seed energy comes from. But being in the industry of entertainment, I feel like that he was challenged to, you know, find the best way to go about the business and, you know, be, he would need to lead into where the audience would be. And there is a very vast audience into the paranormal and supernatural and uh, you know, all the different fascinating subject matters that he that he does cover. However, I do believe that in his heart of hearts, he knows that he's here to help bring happiness You're and right. joy. And what happened was that he went in a little bit different direction with a conspiracy, you know, where you bring in, that does tend to bring in fear and dread. It brings in a little bit of paranoia. paranoia. And so... I do imagine that somewhere in there that, that George knows that he is he is a little bit missing the mark for his soul path. Not exactly missing the mark because he is bringing going
0: completely away going closer to the conspiracy. How is he is he going a little off the path? How what was it um
4: I believe that what's happened is that it is causing some people to go into a little bit of a paranoia, par- paranoia state. And that isn't exactly what he was here to do. He was here to bring love, light. He was here to rem- help people remember who they are, that they are light. And I'm not judging him. There's no judgment here. I just feel like there, there was something that he was capturing metaphysically early on and but the industry itself that he is in the entertainment industry has uh you know helped maybe circumvent that that message the beginning message and he went into a different direction and we all do we all go into different phases um we grow we we challenge ourselves we go to different levels he he has you know challenged himself to he- to capture a, a very wide listening audience, and he's doing a great job at it. And it is an audience that's looking at different possibilities and, you know, getting people talking. There's a fascination there. And even with the conspiracy issues itself, it, it does get people talking, and that's a good thing. What I can, I'm concerned about is what... While they're talking, are they are they prepping themselves for something that's terrible going to happen, or are they just being cautious and prepared? Um, I feel like there is maybe a possibility here that there is a, a, a another influence that has come in that took a little bit of the effort and the focus off of the light and. And put it into a little bit of a dark space.
0: Okay, now you said this darkness. Do you think that this particular darkness, was that that something that was part of George that was coming in? Or do you feel that this darkness was something that would be considered a collective darkness, which realizes that George is being very successful at communicating with millions of people worldwide that would seize the opportunity to, I don't know, kind of hijack his signal, his hijack his signal to collective humanity.
4: Possibly. However, I wouldn't want to, you know, I do believe that there's purpose for everything. And I don't know that the darkness, that consciousness would be powerful enough to totally hijack George's true message. I feel like George always comes back. He brings balance. I mean, he has some wonderful... uh people that comes on and does, you know, bring information about metaphysics, um about light, you know, light working and and bringing in uh really beautiful powerful and positive energy. Um I don't it's it's really interesting. You know, your 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 question was what is his challenges and that's the one challenge I do see.
0: Okay. Miss Laura Lynn, thank you for that great analysis. On Mr. George Norrie. Really appreciate it. And to learn more about Miss Laura Lynn and to get a reading with Miss Laura Lynn, please go to her website at angelreader.net. Thank you so much, Miss Lynn.
4: Thank you. Thanks, Ryan.
1: Okay.
0: Joining us now is the astrophenom, our astrologer, Miss Constance Celis. To learn more about Miss Stellis and to get a chart reading done by Miss Stellis, go to our website, com. Miss Stellis, what can you tell us about Mr. George Nori?
2: Well, Mr. Nori has a very fortunate chart in many ways and then a few zingers, we'll put it that way. He is a Gemini and he has his moon sign in the air sign of Aquarius. So that makes a very harmonious relationship in the element of air between the sun and the moon. So his chart is perfect for radio. He has a lot of talent in expressing himself. He has probably more ideas per second than most people, and he speaks about it very effortlessly and um, um, eloquently. Uh, joining the moon and the sun in air is Neptune. Now, Neptune, so that's called a grand trine in, in astrology. And it's very fortunate because there's easy flow between all these planets. However, he can, let's say, put castles in the air. That would be maybe the best way of uh, explaining it. And the line between imagination and let's say, agreed-upon reality on Earth is not really of interest to him. It's more what he can create with his ideas and how he can visualize and express uh, all of the ideas that come to him. Um, Now, at the same time, he has uh, a water, not a trine. Well, he has a trine, but not a grand trine. So he's very, very sensitive to currents that uh, kind of pass by him in terms of his feelings about things. And when I say sensitive, he absorbs vibrations. So wherever he is or whatever he's doing, he's very subject to the the feeling uh, around him and may be a little bit difficult to tell whether he's feeling it. You know, is it live or is it Uh, Memorex? Is he feeling it or is he absorbing it from other people? Okay.
0: I need to pause you there just for one second because George, when he does these interviews, he... He's willing to go in any place, in any direction, yeah. whether it be light or yeah. dark. So, you saying that what he's absorbing these things is he permanently absorbing these, or are these temporary? These fibers uh,
2: Well, that's a that's a challenge for him. He's absorbing a lot of energy, and probably you know now in his sixties, he's gotten a little bit more skilled with releasing it and kind of uh, detoxing, so to speak. But some of it sticks. It can stick in his mind. And then go round and round and round and round. So it, he has to um, speak about it to expel it, or it, it, it can also kind of um, get him a little whacked out energetically. Uh, he does have Earth in his chart, um, but he has uh, only one fire planet to kind of you know galvanize his energy and to burn things up. We'll put it that way and um he he uh was put on earth actually to disseminate information and he's not all that choosy with what information comes through so to speak when i say comes through he is not a channeler but he is he catches ideas in the uh, in the air and then relates them and he is meant to go through many different um cycles of experience uh, and setting up, let's say, new wheels of karma for future incarnations. So so he's he's kind of in the thick of it, in experience and experiencing different uh, layers of, of reality, and all of those will then, let's say, bear fruit or become into play as he spirals through um, lifetime and lifetime. Um, he can get caught in his own mental designs and um that's ma- that's a block or a challenge
0: okay do you ever is there anything in his chart that would indicate um why he has a connection with or a fascination with ufos i think that's something that's really intriguing
2: well um he may You know, when we speak the language of English and of day-to-day, and I'm speaking to you and everything else, um, it's very easy to say alien abduction or UFOs, and we all go, whoa, there's no proof or whatever. But there are many levels to reality. And um, I think that his imagination can easily perceive the existence of alien life. Now, Is that going to be proved by NASA? I don't know, and I don't care. Um, It is also possible that people have um, parts of their character, their soul, their energy. That's the best word, their energy, that um, is alien. And by that I mean that they have an influence from a different dimension, from a different planet. And I would say that he participates in that. I don't think he is an alien, but I think that he's pretty well comfortable with mm, uh, different life forms in different dimensions
0: okay.
2: so that's not that's not a um, a con it's not something that he has um you know he's, he hasn't lost his mind he's functioning um But he he perceives a few things that a lot of other people aren't particularly either interested in or uh, involved in.
0: Okay, and do you see anything in his chart that would indicate specific life lessons that he came in to learn or a person would come in to learn based on uh, his date of birth? Mm -hmm,
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, uh, he and the ladies have uh, something to learn. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
2: And um, I would say that... Focusing his prodigious communication talents, um, and kind of you know speaking towards the good, with his feelings as well as his mental gymnastics, would be a big life lesson. Also, curiously, he is um, his chart indicates that he he needs to be more self concerned. Um I don't mean uh, narcissistic, but a warrior for his self h- himself and his true feelings because he kind of careens around in all sorts of airy ideas, and um it may be difficult to know sometimes whether he's um, um, um connected to to his feelings that being said. He, he, let's say you know how you can be one-quarter Greek or one other. So I think he's one-quarter alien, so he, he's got his own
0: rules. <laughs> <laughs> That's very interesting. Ms. Constance Delis, Astrophedon, thank you for that great and insightful analysis on Mr. George Nori. And to My learn pleasure. more about Ms. Constance Delis and to get your chart reading done with Ms. Delis, please go to our website. At dot com. Thank you so much, Miss Stellas.
2: My pleasure. My
3: pleasure.
0: Joining us now is globally respected psychic medium, Miss Lisa Kaza. We can learn more about Miss Kaza. Get a reading with Miss Kaza by going to her website at lisa dot com. Miss Kaza, what insight can you reveal about Mister George Nori?
5: Hey Ryan, well. Just uh, Mr. Nori, he actually had me going all over the place. Usually, I have you know a very concise pathway, if you will, when I do my readings. I have everything in a specific order. <laughs> Maybe there's a lesson for me in this. I'm not sure, but this time around, he I, I was all over the all over the map with Mr. Mr. Nori. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to just. Uh, give you what I was given as it was given to me so I, I apologize in advance for any uh, jumping around here and there but it's li- literally how things came to me so the first thing that came to me and I wasn't even fully ready to to connect to Mr. Norrie so it took me by surprise somewhat I was in meditation to connect with my own guides When all of a sudden I look up into this tree and I see a falcon, and it lands up in the tree. And I went oh, oh, hello there. (laughs) What what do you want, (laughs) kind of thing? (laughs) And it just sort of sat there, just sat there and just looked at me, very calculative and just very silent and just waiting. Wouldn't show me anything. And okay, well I guess you're, I guess you're just watching me. I don't know. So anyways, uh, I left it at that and. The following day, which was today, um, I started to connect to, to Mr. Nori. And the first thing I picked up was, of course, you know, a, a part of his personality. Um, very, he's got a very clever and quick mind. Um, massive amounts of generosity. So he's quite humanitarian. And he has a lot of consideration for other people and their interests and beliefs. So um, if you notice when he does do interviews on his shows, he doesn't challenge anybody or their beliefs or what they're saying. He prefers to let them speak. So as a result of that, he has gained a huge amount of trust from others, from the public, especially when it does come to comes down to them telling their stories of their experiences or their knowledge and wisdom that they're passing along now as i connected to that here i am like i said i'm jumping around the falcon came back at me and i'm going aha so you're so you came early just to signify that uh you're you're waiting for me to connect to mr nori so um, the, the 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 falcon is Mr. Norrie's animal totem, and it makes me smile. I'm having a hard time so
0: what's, what's talking the cause, what's the significance? the of that being the animal totem?
5: Okay, well I was getting to that right. because it, the falcon totem itself um, it, it supports, for example, his high intelligence that I was picking up, because if if you realize like uh, falcons were used in, in, well, falconry, for centuries, uh, specifically for their keen intellect and their incredible ability to calculate and and judge their prey. They're extremely intelligent. However, at its core, uh, the falcon represents visionary power, wisdom, guardianship, and freedom. And it was, um, it's a solar uh, emblem, so it connects to the sun uh, for success, victory, and rising above situations. And now, here I'm going to jump around again a little bit. Um, it's a bit of a hint here for when I get to his past lives. Uh, the falcon was symbolic of the rising sun in Egypt, and it's also considered the quote unquote king of all birds as many gods were were shown with um you know the head or or the body of the falcon which in turn carries the message of, of transition and change so you know changing ways of thinking opening the the minds of others and and that kind of thing so now that I'm going to jump so that was the the falcon coming in um next thing is I'll I'll discuss the past lives. Now, most obviously, uh, actually, Mr. Nori has had a number of different um, past lives, a couple of which uh, were Egyptian. Um, now, this is where I was starting to get somewhat confused because spirit wasn't really allowing me to delve into deeply with any particular past life, except for one which I'll get to momentarily, but uh, I believe the main purpose of spirit showing me different past lives is literally just flashes going zoom, 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 just uh, I, within seconds, I couldn't you know concentrate on any of them um, so he's got a very strong Egyptian past lifetimes, very strong um i'd say Italian. I also see Greek, and in that past life, I, I'm feeling I use quite calculative, working with mathematics or something of that nature. Um, and then I see very, very strong Middle Eastern ties. Um, so there's, you know, past life, I don't know if it's Syria or Iran, somewhere, somewhere in that area. But his spirit's main trajectory, I was literally g- given the different... Uh, years of births and deaths, um, including this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's this is the just the main trajectory of his spirit. There's I've counted ten.
0: Wow, what was the one that you yeah? So that is the most significant for you. And actually, what do you think was the one that was the most traumatic?
5: Well, that's uh, see now I was jumping jumping around. I was I was going to get to that. Okay, so. Um, the, uh, well, firstly, like there's the two, there's his Egyptian ties and with the falcon, those two are connected. So that's, that's being significant in this life. However, the other one that is most significant was the Middle Eastern past lifetime, which, um, I do have his date of death in that That past life and he, he died, it was 1806. Now, I could not see exactly what he did for a living. Um, he, but the main message that I got, what I was feeling the most, was that he was killed in some sort of battle or war. He was a civilian. He wasn't a soldier or anything like that. I, I'm starting to wonder if he was a farmer. Um but as a result of of him being killed within this war, that filled his heart with, with a lot of anger, of which he's not actually consciously aware of. He's not aware that he's, he's
4: holding so on to this.
0: How, if he has this anger, how could this anger be impeding or in influencing his current spiritual development, and is there any way for him to actually remove it?
5: What that's what he's doing. It's not impeding him at all. In fact, it's fueling his fire, so to speak, because his spirit knows the importance to channel this in more constructive ways. So, for example, being an activist for positive social change or creating awareness and and uh, things of that nature. Now, the next thing that I heard, now, I don't have anything else to go on, just it's literally two words, and I heard holy war. So what's going on, though, is I heard the secondary um, phrase of that's the final straw. And what that means is that and now this is why I was shown all these flashes, literally, of like all these different lifetimes that I just couldn't catch. Like there's ten of them at least. It's because each lifetime, every single one of them, didn't matter who he was or what he was doing, he was either witness to or experienced firsthand uh, things such as well anything underneath the sun, yeah uh UFO encounters aliens uh, which yes I I'm hesitant to say this but apparently they were in Egypt back in in those days
0: oh, so um aliens back in the
5: uh, yeah he, he um the one Egyptian past life uh that came out most predominantly he died in, in 654 wow after uh, like AD right that's how far back i went but uh so anything he, he saw everything and m- miracles and healings and angels and um and like I said uh, alien encounters and he was also a very strong medium so which he still is to this day um so we frequently had you know visitors or ghostly visitors he always had some sort of connection to the paranormal or metaphysical um but this is the first lifetime that he's actually dedicated some of his energy to it and the thing is every single lifetime that he's lived he has tried to inform others about his experiences and about you know his mediumship abilities and and things of that nature and but nobody would listen to him they were calling him crazy uh he was even persecuted in a couple of different lifetimes so uh when he uh was going back to this lifetime in the Middle East where he was killed in this quote unquote holy war. That's why it, for his in his spirit it was like, Okay, that is the last draw. I gotta do something to create this awareness. But um his abilities, like his mediumship abilities, are actually greatly suppressed in this lifetime partially due to you know the lingering fear of persecution and such from those past lives. So
0: I mean, I Now of what of he's doing when he's actually, you know, you can't imagine that he you could be on a bigger program that's actually talking about alternative consciousness than his show.
5: Yeah, but the difference is is that he's not really doing the talking. He's letting everybody else kind do of
0: providing it. He's letting everybody a
5: platform. Mhm. Like cuz he cuz it's the attitude I pick up in uh, subconsciously speaking of course is well, okay, so nobody wants to listen to me, well damn it, then I'm gonna let everyone else talk then. I'll get the message out that way. So he's he's trying to avoid the the um trying to not, not avoid, but trying to combat his fear by going through other people instead. He's trying a different method to get the the word and messages across. <coughs> Excuse me. Wow. So um and I find it funny another thing that I have here is that you know he called like I read the the little write up that you wrote in in the radio show website and he says he has this desire to solve great mysteries of our time. Well firstly he goes way beyond that. But mainly he doesn't have a conscious Recollection of his knowledge or the events that he went through in all his past lives, so that's why he calls them mysteries so, he's actually to, actually a walking Google search I, engine.
0: you know I was just about to say, I was wondering if maybe he could solve a lot of these mysteries by just getting a thorough past life regression done and just you know tape himself and basically, what you should do yeah. is just say, listen, these are all the questions I have. Go under hypnosis next thing you know. He's got the answers, and I'm like, oh my god, why am I interviewing all these people for? I've had the answers the whole time. I should just be doing a, you know, hypnotic interview on myself.
5: Pretty much
4: like
0: hypnotic
5: interview on myself. Well, that but that's pretty much it, though. Oh. He does have all of this knowledge, but it's he's not fully aware of it. Like I said, he's he's somewhat suppressed, but yet at the same time, he knows. He's just got this silent knowing deep within him that all that he is trying to put out there to the world is resonating with him if it didn't resonate with him he wouldn't be doing it period because he is he's he is quite the matter of fact no no bs type of type of guy but yeah exactly i i agree and i would actually strongly recommend that because in the next uh think <laughs> that made a lot of sense next past life um The next lifetime, he like I do feel he will be coming back again, very quickly, and well the the next time around, I feel that he's going to have his abilities already reawakened. So once he when he's reborn, he's going to have his abilities. And and you see that's another thing too. I, if I remember correctly, I think his date of birth was 1950.
0: Yep. Actually, yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. So back in those days, people were not "quote unquote" ready for for you know psychic and mediums and, and healings and all and all the good stuff that that's coming about today. With his work that he's doing now, he's preparing not just uh other people and society but also himself because when he comes back around next time it's going to be much more well it already is more acceptable today but it's going to be even more so the next time he comes around and like i said he's going to come around very very fast
0: so do you think that there's a possibility he's going to come back so fast that hypothetically speaking a relative of his could be his father that he'll still remain in the same soul group, or do you think that he'll, that's another question too about his soul group? Is he gonna stay within the same soul group coming back, or do you think he'll he'll go into a completely different soul group?
5: It's funny you said that because, well, firstly, I'm gonna sidetrack for a second, just for a second. Uh, the Egyptian past lives. Remember how I said that he had lived a couple of different past lives in Egypt. Well, apparently um, another past life in Egypt. Um, I don't know the year or anything, but the information I got was that he's actually a reborn ancestor of his on his father's no side. Yeah, yeah. Uh. So, but I think it's, well, that's quite common. A lot of people do. I I myself have been reborn into the same family line. So, um, he's kind of reminding me of myself where he's more like maybe it was a cousin or an uncle or something to that effect on his father's side that he was. But next time around, I feel that, (laughs) sorry, Ryan, I feel that he, he will most likely indeed once again be reborn into the same, same family or, or, or soul group for sure. Um, but it's not going to be as quickly as, you know, let's say his his grandchildren or great grandchildren are going to see him. It's not going to be that fast. Like it'll be fast for him. We've had this conversation many times about time on the other yeah. side. There is there's no concept of time. Um, but for him on that side, it will it will be very fast. But yet to us, it could be
0: a hundred years. So it's going to come back pretty quickly.
5: Yeah. Uh, very fast, and he's gonna be a very strong medium, and I also feel that he will have a lot of work with uh angels as well.
0: That's pretty intriguing. It's almost as if like you think about George's life that he's asking all these questions, and it's just almost as if like he's meeting those people absorbing everything, and he's gonna like come back and probably utilize all these talents and these knowledges that he's absorbing.
5: Well, it's not, he, he's already absorbed them, though. It's already within. We gotta
0: talk about that's, that. So, George, if you're listening to this right now, we gotta gotta get you under hypnosis and ask yourself questions, and maybe the answers are coming. it would be great.
5: Oh, definitely. <laughs> and I, I'd love to be pr- uh, privy to that myself because he, like I said, like there's so many past lives here, like uh, including this one. Like I said, there's ten at least, and that's just the main trajectory. We're not even talking about the "quote-unquote mini lives that I know that all of us live in between the main ones. So he he's got so much not like like I said earlier he's a he's a walking Google search engine. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when it comes to anything paranormal or the metaphysical, he he has seen it, he has witnessed it, he knows it, Excellent. but it's all suppressed right now and if it, if he could just bring that out like he he's kind of doing that on his own in a way, but I don't know. There's there's, there's something blocking him. Maybe it's that fear that I talked about earlier. Okay. It's so um, you know that lingering fear of of persecution from the past lives that you know being called crazy and whatnot. So um, maybe that that could that that would definitely create a huge block. So maybe that could be one reason for that, but. The um, thing is, so regardless, come next lifetime, he's not going to have any fear whatsoever. He's just going to go for it because he knows it will be his time finally.
0: Miss Lisa Kaza, what a uh, thorough, uh, thorough analysis on Mr. George Noy. Really great information you presented tonight. Thank you so much. And to learn more about Miss Lisa Kaza and to get a reading with Miss Lisa Kaza, please go to our website at com. Thank you so much, Miss Kaza. Uh, thank you, Ryan. Okay, everyone, that concludes tonight's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show. Very special thanks to our featured guest, Mr. George Norry. Special thanks to our virtues, Ms. Laura Lynn, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Constance Stellis, and Ms. Lisa Kaza. And to learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet again, my friends, wishing upon you infinite peace, love, and beers. Thanks for listening, and have an unbelievable rest of the week.
1: goldman mccormick pr also a specialist in website development radio show creation press conferences media training and so much more check out goldman for more information goldman